Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. A phrase that strongly speaks of God's grace and even His sovereignty that is found in the Word of God are the two words, second time. Second time. We understand that God only has to speak and do things once, and it is enough. Uh, We think about the beginning, uh, when God created the heaven and the earth, uh, God said, let there be light. And when God created the heaven and the earth, the Bible records that there was light when he said that. God said, let there be light, and the Bible records, and there was light. He only spoke everything into existence only once. It wasn't, let there be light. Okay, that didn't work out. Let me say it again. Let there be light. Let me say it again. Let there be light. No, God had to just speak those words one time. Let there be light. And the Bible says, there was light. The Bible records that Christ calmed the storm and the sea. Christ rebuked the wind and said, peace, peace. Be still. I'm sure many of you remember that phrase, right? Peace, be still. You know, uh, did the wind obey him? Yes, they did. How many times did he speak that? Five times? Four times? How many times? One time. Peace, be still. Christ didn't have to say it twice. Or maybe more than twice, or maybe three, or four, or five. No, he didn't have to keep on repeating himself, peace be still, peace be still, or peace be still. No, God had to just speak at once, peace be still. And the storm calmed down, and, and the wind seas, and the, uh, the waters, and the sea stopped raising. You see, this is the omnipotence of God. This is how powerful our God is. I love the scripture in Psalm 33, verse 9. I think it's on the screen. The Bible says here, uh, For he spake, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. You know, the Bible is very clear that when God speaks something, hey, it will be done. And as we think about creation, as we think about maybe uh, the uh, wind and the sea, uh, it's very obvious that they are under his control. And uh, what God commanded, the Bible said, it stood fast. God only has to speak and plan at once, for he is omnipotent and perfect. However, the word of God reveals that God graciously does his work, and speaks his truth the second time. He only has to speak it once, but he does it the second time. Now the sea and the wind obey him, as we think about the sixth day of creation. You know, everything came into existence without any problem. But as we think about this era, as we think about our lives today, as we have this fallen nature, God has to speak it twice because not... Uh, uh, he has a problem with what he's speaking, what he's planning, but the problem is with us. Now, God is gracious, amen? 
God is long-suffering. God is kind. God is gentle. And uh, in every way, as we think about the Scripture, we see over and over again where He comes and reveals Himself the second time. Speaks to a man for the second time. Commands a person for the second time. He only has to do it once. But He does it the second time. Why? Because those people or that person was too stubborn. They took the matter into their own hands, maybe. They didn't follow through God's plan, God's perfect plan A. But God's gracious enough to visit that person again and say, hey, let me remind you again what you need to do. Let me tell you again what my plan is. And I think sometimes as Christians... uh, We doubt Him, we stand in unbelief, we ignore His calling, and we do whatever we want, and not what God planned at once, and we mess it up the first time around. And because of our flawlessness, our God graciously and faithfully executes His repetition. And because of His repetition, we know that God loves us, He is long-suffering, He is patient, and He even waits for us. But I believe that shouldn't be abused. I think we in every way as Christians to obey it the first time and do it the right the first time. But if we don't do it right the first time, and many of us will be on that same boat, hey, thank God for the second time. Thank God for he, thank God that He is gracious, He is loving, He is long-suffering. For example, I'm sure many of us know the story of Jonah. And God commands Jonah to go to the city of Nineveh and preach to them. And what happens? Does Jonah obey the first time? No, he does not. He doesn't follow through according to God's plan. He runs away. He takes a ship from the port of Joppa and going to the area of Tarshish, which is uh, in the region of Spain, as we know it today. Can you imagine from Palestine in the northern area of Israel, leaving from that area to go to Tarshish, the region of Spain, and taking a ship, I mean, just across the way of a few thousand miles to get away from the will of God, to get away with what God wants them to do. He messed it up for the first time. And we know that he was swallowed by a whale in the sea. He dwelled there for three days and three nights. And, uh, of course, Jonah repents. Who wouldn't repent? Amen. (laughs) And uh, in the belly of the whale, who wouldn't repent? And uh, there's water, seawater coming at you. And, and, uh, I mean, you're in this belly of a fish. It probably didn't smell too nice. Amen. And Jonah repents. And God delivers him out of the belly of the whale. The whale spits him out. I'm tired of you, Jonas, being stuck in my stomach. In Jonah chapter 3 and verse 1 and 2, the Bible says, And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. And amazing how God has to beg Jonah to do it. I already asked you and requested uh, towards you to do this, but you didn't do it the first time. Now, I come to you the second time. Now, would you go? And of course, Jonah did. And the greatest, uh, 
uh, uh, uh, result of conversion. The whole city got saved. I mean, can you imagine Los Angeles, the whole county getting saved? That's what happened in that city of Nineveh. God knew what he was doing, but Jonah messed it up. For himself, of course. And that is the trouble. And when we don't obey God's word, and when we don't do it the a way that he wants us to do it, hey, the greater fault and the greater, I guess, uh, consequence lies with us, not God. God will do everything perfectly at the end. All things work together for good to them that love God, right? But then we suffer. We reap the, uh, the sowing that we have done. And our lives could be very frustrating unless we start obeying the Lord, unless we start uh, go, uh, 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 you know, uh, following through what God has given us to do. And I want to encourage you this morning that the second time is a great blessing and that we need to not abuse that second time. We need to follow through what God has given us. We might mess it up for the first time. We understand that many of us do. But do not neglect the second time, my friend. I say all this to let you know that God has His timing. Through our mistakes, He still makes all things beautiful in His time. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, He had made everything beautiful in His time. Also, He has set the world in their hearts so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. And as we think about the Scripture, you know, uh, sometimes we cannot see the big picture. And through our mistakes and through our faults and messing it, messing it up for the first time in different uh, uh, situations of life, and we think that it's all over and that everything is not going to work out. But ladies and gentlemen, God is still on the throne and God will give you that second time and that he will make everything beautiful in his time. And we must trust the Lord and also trust that wonderful opportunity of the second time. We have Moses in the Old Testament. His life has been a legacy over 4,000 years. Who hasn't heard of Moses? And his life has been talked about and taught about and even exemplified in the lives of many. And even Moses, though he was very revered and looked up to, had to go through a time where he had to pause and wait for the second time to come because he messed it up for the first time. The great difference of Moses than the previous people that, that, uh, that I could mention or maybe uh, uh, that I could reflect back to in the Old Testament was that uh, the first time was not the right timing, but he wanted to just push on way and, and he wanted to do it his way and his plan. And of course, it didn't work out. But God, God was very gracious to give Moses a second try. And uh, what can we learn from Moses' first and the second time? I'd like to share with you three states of Moses' life that communicates God's timing and grace. God's timing and grace. First of all, Moses, we see that he was favored. Look at the scripture in verse 20 and 21. As Stephen's preaching, as he's explaining Moses' life, it says, In which time Moses was born, it was exceeding fair and nourished up, nourished up in his father's house, Three months, and when he was cast out, Pharaoh's daughter took him up and nourished him for her own son. 
The background story of Moses' beginning was that he was a son born into the tribe of Levi. And the Bible records that he was a goodly child, but there was a problem. Moses was not a girl, but he was a boy. You might be thinking, why is that a problem? I mean, everyone would rejoice during that time, especially when a family has a boy. And thank God, I remember... uh, no, I don't remember. I don't remember when I was born, amen. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, my father wanted a son. Okay. And first, it was a daughter. Second, it was a daughter. The third, it was a daughter. And then finally, thank God, the golden boy came out, amen. <laughs> and then my father said to my wife, uh, to my, uh, uh, to my uh, mother, uh, to his wife, uh, he said, wow, you could bear a son. <laughs> and, of course, during that time, he didn't understand that it was really the male's fault. But anyways, uh, 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 but, you know, uh, 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 you know uh, having a boy in the home, okay, in the traditional Eastern culture is a big deal. And uh, as we think about Moses being born, I'm sure it was a very big deal, but it was a problem. The Bible records that Pharaoh feared the Hebrew people, because they were exceeding great in numbers. So he made them to be slaves and also made a decree concerning births of the Hebrew children. In Exodus chapter 1, verse 22, and Pharaoh charged all his people, saying, every son that is born he shall cast into the where? The river. And every daughter he shall save alive. Wow, can you imagine? I'm sure these Israelites had maybe more than two children at a time within their family. But now they're just limited to daughters. No more sons. If it's a boy, you're supposed to cast into the river. And Moses was a son. He was a boy. But the Bible says that his mother, Jochebed, kept Moses and hid him for three months. For three months. After three months, she could no longer hide him. So what does she do? Does she throw him in the river? No. She had faith to keep Moses for three months and, and hid him from the Egyptians and the government there. And then she has faith. Yes, she does go by the river, but she doesn't just cast Moses into the river. God's sovereignty, God's favor is working in Moses' life in early age. And, and God uh, presses uh, the heart of Jochebed not to cast Moses in the river, but to save his life. So she places Moses in an ark of bulrushes, and bulrushes a reed or rush, and, 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 and she dubs this ark or this little tiny boat and, and, and with slime, with pitch or tar, you could say. And she places the ark in the flax, not in the river. And uh, I, I think most people in, in, in their visual through Hollywood and different maybe cartoons, we think that the, uh, 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 the ark uh, uh, of Moses or the little boat of Moses was carried down the Nile River, but that wasn't the case. The Bible says that she put it by the flags, meaning uh, by uh, where the uh, the bushes and the water plants were. And uh, so it wasn't carrying through the Niles at all, but she just kept it in one place. 
And after she leaves, of course, Miriam is standing far away to see what would happen to her brother. And Pharaoh's daughter comes by to wash herself and notices the ark among the flags, among the, the water plants. And she has one of the maidens fetch it and it is revealed to her that it was a child. And not only any child, but it was a Hebrew child. And she had compassion on him. This is one of the Hebrews' children. So Moses grows up under the care and the protection of the Pharaoh's family. And Stephen goes further and says, she took her, uh, took him as her own son. So there was a great care and bond with the Pharaoh's daughter and Moses. Now, who orchestrated all this? Jochebed? Was it Miriam that helped out to uh, 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 convince uh, Pharaoh's daughter to fetch a a Hebrew uh, midwife, which would be uh, uh, Moses' mother? Was it maybe Pharaoh's daughter? No, this was orchestrated by God. And it was God's favor, it was God's sovereignty. And, uh, and God's timing was perfect at this time. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, as we think about the side note here, or maybe the side application, if we do our part in having faith, then God will do his part. Jochebed had faith in keeping Moses and hiding him and, and, uh, and, and also uh, putting him in the, uh, 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 I guess, the, by the flags and not casting into the river. And that she, she, he, she had faith in that. And as she had faith in that, guess what? God intervened and called Pharaoh's daughter to wash herself. And, she, and he was found of her. And his life was preserved. And I don't know what you go through in life, my friend. Whatever you do, hey, have faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. You have faith in God? Hey, I guarantee you, God will do his part. You do your part in having faith, believing in the Lord, then God will give you that favor, and God will orchestrate something greater than you could ever think of or even ask. And, and I think about uh, uh, the case with uh, Jochebed in, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child, and they were not afraid of the king's commandments. And you see, she and, uh, and even her husband, uh, both of the parents, did not have fear dictate what they do it was by faith and they weren't just seeing pharaoh and the government and the soldiers who are maybe checking every house to see if there is a son and uh, they were not afraid of the king's commandment but they have faith in god oh, i want to encourage you on this side application to be encouraged in the lord and have faith always and if you do your part in faith god will do his part in rewarding you God's favor of grace and protection was with Moses even from the beginning as we see it because the parents had faith. And Moses, in every hand, uh, uh, in every way, uh, had to be reminded of God's grace every day as we, as he reflected back in his life for his name was Moses and the word Moses means drawn. Pharaoh's daughter named him Moses and he kept that name. To remind himself, of course, to know, hey, I was drawn from by the riverbank. I was saved from death. And ladies and gentlemen, how we need to be reminded all the time that we are here this morning and we have our lives and we're saved, we're born again because of the grace of God. 
Because of God's favor. Why did you get to hear the gospel? Why did you go to church when you were young? And why did you have Sunday school? And why did you have somebody knock on your door and, and have, have them uh, invite you to Bible Baptist Church? And, and why did somebody ask you about salvation? And, and why did somebody do things like that? And I think about Brother Price's testimony. I hate to put you on the spot, but Brother Price told me about his salvation testimony. And, and he was in the bathroom somewhere, and somebody gave him a track in the bathroom. Hey, you need to be saved, and uh, why don't you th- read, uh, read about Jesus Christ, and, and why don't you uh, think about the Savior in your life? And from that moment, he, he began to search and, and visited uh, every church he can, and, and he visited the Church of Christ. Oh, this wasn't it. He visited a different church. This wasn't it. And he finally landed at a Baptist church and, and, uh, in Los Angeles, and, and then uh, 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 he, uh, uh, he found this church, and he also received Christ as personal Savior. Now, how God, uh, uh, now how, how did uh, uh, Brother Price get to know his Savior? How did, uh, uh, how did he even encounter somebody in the bathroom to give him a track? Because of God's grace. God's grace. And we need to remind ourselves of God's grace and God's favor every single day. And Moses began his life by God's grace. He could have died. It could have been in the river, but God preserved him because parents have faith. Oh, I want to encourage you, parents. What will your children be 20 years from now, 30 years from now, 50 years from now? It all depends whether you have faith today. Moses became a great man of God because of Jochebed, a slave woman working out in the field and working out in and in construction somewhere, having faith in knowing that God would preserve her son. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to encourage you today to know God's favor again. The first time. Don't mess it up. Don't make hasty decisions. Wait for him. Realize that he has his plan. He has his guidance. Just Follow through and grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And don't grow in the flesh. Don't grow in your works, in your own agenda. No, grow in the grace of God and find His favor once again. Remind yourself how you started your Christian life. For by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Hey, 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 we are boasting about our Savior, Jesus Christ, this morning. In our Christian life, we're not boasting about ourselves, are we? I hope not. And as Christians, we need to reflect back of how we started the Christian life. And as we stand in this present time, hey, realize God's grace has carried me through. Hey, God's grace will also carry me in the future. We live by faith and not by sight. I want to encourage you to think of the favor. And Moses had to think of it. But there was a problem in his life that occurred where he took the matter into his own hand. And he messed up what God was planning. Of course, in every way, he faced his consequences. And due to pride, I believe, God's grace was abused in Moses' life. And says, so look at Moses, the falsehood that he had, the falsehood. Moses had his eyes on him instead of God the first time he tried to do something. 
Did God call him? Yes, I believe he did. I believe he knew that God called him. But was it God's timing? No, it was not. It was Moses' timing. First, we notice his own credibility. His own credibility in verse 22. And Moses learned in all the wisdom of his mission and was mighty in words and in deeds. And we know Moses to be a man of slow speech. And that's what the Bible says in Mount Sinai when he met the Lord uh, 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 by the, uh, the fire there and, and, uh, and the bush of fire that never burnt, that, that didn't get consumed. And, and uh, the Bible says Moses' excuse was, God, I'm a slow tongue. I can't really talk. So during the time of the wilderness, something happened with his speech. He says, I can't really talk. I can't really speak, and you want me to speak for you. And by the way, during the uh, Exodus, most of the time, who spoke for Moses? Aaron did. So Moses had this maybe speech, speech impediment. I don't know what it is. But of course, God says, who have made man's mouth, and I send you still, and I have your brother, he'll speak for you. God gets frustrated with Moses. And we think of Moses that way, and maybe that's how he was when he was a baby, when he was a teenager, when he was, you know, uh, living in the palace. But the Bible says differently how Stephen says it here. He says that he was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, was mighty in words and in deeds. He had a position, but he had the charisma. He had the works to prove and He had the leadership quality. And I think he was somewhat elegant when he was a young man or younger man. And the Bible says here that he was learned in all the wisdom of the who? The Egyptians. Egypt was probably the greatest empire during that time. You know, it's like living in America right now. A lot of people want to come to America. Why? They want to be educated here. Okay? They want to have their livelihoods. They want to, you know, get their earnings and they get their position. And, and there's opportunity here. Okay? And just like America is today, I believe Egypt was like that. And to be raised in Pharaoh's house and to learn all the wisdom and the knowledge of the Egyptians was a great big deal. But Egypt... And the Bible is a picture of the world. That was a problem. Moses, as we think about the scripture here, had the wisdom of the world. And God doesn't work with the wisdom of the world. Because the wisdom of the world is foolishness with God. And when the world sees the wisdom of God, they think that's foolish. There's a great conflict, you see. But Moses was relying on his own credibility. Hey, I'm learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. I have the degree. I have the position. Look at my leadership skill. Look what I have done. Look what I can say. His pride kind of led him into falsehood. 
And ladies and gentlemen, how pride can blind all of us just because we have some degree and knowledge and experience and position. We think we know best timing for everything. And we think we could outplan God in our lives. Pride goes before destruction and haughty spirit before a fall. God resists the proud, but give it grace unto the humble. Do not rely on the wisdom of America or wisdom of this world. No, rely on the wisdom of God's word. Rely on the wisdom of the heavenly and the divine nature of God. Do not rely on what the man can do, what man say, my friend. Do not rely on pride. Rely on humility and cling to God and ask for his help. And be guided by his grace. His own credibility made him to make the wrong decision. Secondly, his own compassion. Verse 23 and verse 24, And when he was full 40 years old, it came to his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. The Bible says it came to his heart, his desire. And seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended him, avenged them that was oppressed, and smote the Egyptian. Notice it came into his heart to visit his brethren. So he knew that he was a Hebrew, right? It wasn't like he was thinking, I'm an Egyptian. No, he knew that he was a Hebrew. And, you know, as we think about uh, uh, race difference, and, and the Pharaoh's daughter opened up the basket, right? She opens up the basket. She doesn't, she doesn't think, I wonder if this is an Egyptian baby or a Hebrew baby. As soon as she saw the baby, she said, this is a Hebrew baby. So there was a different quality or maybe, a, 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 maybe face structure or maybe a a skin color that was different than Egyptian, to a, a Hebrew. So for Moses, he knew himself that he was a, uh, <clears throat> he was a Hebrew. Okay. And uh, so uh, as we think about his life, he realized, hey, those are my brothers. I have compassion for them. I want to go down and visit them. And he does so. But this compassion, his own heart desire, led him not to rule or to lead these people, but to murder. How scary is that? To be honest, how delusional could someone get be? Compassion leading to murder. You know, our compassion alone can become a very dangerous thing when it's not properly channeled with God's love and discernment. You know the teenage love, falling in love, right? Right? And how many of you take teenagers seriously when they say, I'm in love? I think most of us would not take it seriously, right? Kind of puppy love, you know, and they don't really know what's going on in the world, and they only see that one boy or one girl, and I've fallen in love. I'm sure you have that same situation like me, you know, bought that necklace, you know, falling in love, you know. And thank God I, I jumped into love with my wife. And that when I gave her jewelry, she didn't run, amen? She didn't leave to Georgia or back to Texas somewhere. <laughs> and, uh, you know, she, she, she stayed with me. Praise the Lord for that. But, you know, uh, you know, that falling in love, 
that, uh, 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 that type of, uh, uh, I guess, uh, uh, substance of love could be dangerous, right? We make irrational decisions, and, and teenagers make unwise choices sometimes when they fall in love. They, their love leads them to lust and maybe ill discernment and misplaced priorities. And, and now we know we're supposed to love people. We understand that. But our own love is so limited, and we can make some terrible decisions all along the way. And... I believe we need to always fall in love with God first and then love others. God's love must channel through us because His love is perfect. His love never fails. His love is kind, is long-suffering. Envieth not, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And, uh, you know, uh, in every way, we need to just chase after the love of God and fall, low, fall in love with Him and, and keep that priority first. And then His love will channel through us to love our spouse, to love our children, to love strangers, to love people at the church too. But our own love could be very dangerous. And Moses relied on his own compassion the very first time. He said, I have sympathy for my brethren. I have sympathy for my people. So he went down to visit them. And next you know, he is killing an Egyptian. He tried to prove himself during this time. If you look at the context, he tried to prove himself that, hey, I'm your leader. Hey, I'm going to be your savior. We're going to have exodus. If you look at the third, his own understanding. His own credibility, his own compassion, but his own understanding made him to go into falsehood. In verse 25, and he supposed his brethren would have understood how that God by his hand would deliver them, but they understood not. He thought that they knew and then understood that Moses would be the leader. Moses is the one. He, his thought and understanding deceived himself. Imagination can lead us to abuse God's grace and disobey him. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. You see, Moses did not only make his decision based on emotions and compassion of his own, but he made a decision based on his own understanding, his own mind. What made sense to him? Hey, I'm young. I'm 40 years old. This is the time. I'm going to lead my people out of this country. His imagination was a direct disobedience to God Almighty. And ladies and gentlemen, many of us today have directly disobeyed God Almighty due to our own imaginations. Our own imagination is a great idolatry. It exalts itself against the knowledge of God. We are trying to declare that we're better than God. We know better. Our understanding is a false idol within our hearts. Just like Lucifer. I will, I will exalt my throne. By the way, Lucifer was imagining, wasn't he? His imagination was a great sin against the knowledge of God. And we have the same situation. We do our own thing. We make matters into our own hands. And we have our own imagination. We're just being like the devil, how he fell. And our pride is deceiving us. His own understanding. Number four, his own judgment. 
And the next day he showed himself unto them as they strove. So they, he went back down again and would have set them at once again. He says, I'm going to judge this matter once again. I, I, I killed the Egyptian. I did the right thing. He probably thought that he did that uh, in the right way. And uh, he says, I'm going to take this matter into my own hand. I'll make sure these two brothers get along. And sirs, ye brethren, why do ye wrong one to another? But he did that his neighbor wrong, thrust him away, and saying, Who made thee a ruler and a judge over us? Would thou kill me as thou didst the Egyptian yesterday? He tried to judge his people, but it backfired on him. He thought he was doing the right thing. Now, what he said was right. You guys are brothers. Why are you fighting? There's truth in that. But Moses was trying to lead without God. That was a problem. God was not involved in this matter. He didn't say, Moses didn't say, Thus say, Lord, God said, You got to love your brethren. You got to love your neighbors. He said, Moses said, I'm telling you, aren't you guys brothers? Don't you need to get along? And those slaves said, Who are you? Are you going to kill me too, like the Egyptian yesterday? And they gentlemen, Moses was trying to do things with his own power and with his own authority and his own judgment. And by the way, let's fast forward 40 years later. After the Exodus, he goes to Mount Sinai. He dwells there for 40 days. He comes back with what? The laws of God. Now Moses is ready and say, thus saith the Lord. Let me tell you, you need to love God. You need to love your neighbors. He was able to judge the people of God every single day after that because he had the law of God. It wasn't God's timing for Moses to lead his people. Why? Because Moses didn't have the law of God. And ladies and gentlemen, whatever you do in life, make sure you have the law of God. Make sure you have the word of God backing it up. Parents, if you're teaching your children, don't say, parents, say it. You say, thus saith the Lord. Yeah. When I stand up here, I need to say, thus saith the Lord. Now what Jimmy says. I want to encourage you to rely on the authority of God. Then you'll have some life-changing experience. Then a lot of things will work out in place. Then it will work out for good. Even marriages. Husband, kindly, you need to remind your wife. The Bible says, honey, that the wife needs to be submissive to her own husband. That's what God said. And wife, you need to kindly say to your husband, God said, honey, that you need to love me as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Now, you don't need to say that every single day, amen? Okay. But sometimes when there's conflict and there's arguments and fights, you're trying to reconcile, just bring God into the scene. God's people say, oh, it's going to work out much better. You're fighting with your wife, fighting with your husband. You just, my authority, my authority, my will, my wants, my needs. One person needs to say, God said this. Just think about God. 
Let's honor God. Where is God in your marriage? Where is God in your family? When's the last time you mentioned God as you talk to your wife or your husband? We have a problem. We have left out God in our lives. We're relying on our own judgment, our own authority. And Moses went into falsehood, his own credibility, his own compassion, his own understanding, his own judgment. But through it all, thank God, there was a second time. Second time God visited. And God made him to be fitted. So we see Moses being fitted for the work. Verse 29, and then fled Moses at the saying and was a stranger in the land of Midian, where he begat two sons. And when 40 years were expired, there appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai an angel of the Lord in a flame of fire in a bush. So there is God. He appears to him in the wilderness. Moses is now fit to deliver God's people. His own credibility is gone. He's not in the Pharaoh's house anymore. His own compassion is gone. His own understanding is gone. His own judgment is gone. He is slow of speech, ill-confident, and now older. So Moses tries for the second time. How does it turn out? God uses him powerfully and graciously. Some people oppose him in the land of the wilderness. God's into Moses' favor. He is the most meek man in the earth, the Bible says. God gave that testimony to Moses. So Moses was not fit for the work of God. All things work together for good to them that love God. Thank God Moses left the land of Midian that day. Yes, he was ill-confident. Yes, he was slow of speech. But he had faith. This is the second time I'm going to go back to my brethren. First time I messed it up. Now the second time I'm going, but I'm not going alone. God's with me. God's with me. And ladies and gentlemen, if God be for us, who can be against us? I want to encourage you, grow in the grace of God the second time. You might have messed up the first time. It's okay. All things still work together for good. God will bring forth his plan. Yes, you'll face the consequences. Yes, you might have Many years in exploration. Moses had 40 years in Midian, in the land of Midian. He probably gave up everything. He probably said, I'm going to just die here in the wilderness, and I'm just going to be a shepherd for the rest of my life. But lo and behold, God appears to the scene. He says, now you're fit. Now I'm ready for you. Now you're ready for me. Let's go. Let's deliver your people. And that's God's grace. Would you abuse God's grace, or would you... Grow in God's grace. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. We don't deserve it in life. Another chance, another shot, another opportunity. The second time that God calls and moves and orchestrates, God uses us. And what a great privilege today. You could be a great mother for the second time. Maybe you messed up the first maybe five years or ten years of parenting. Now you could have that second time. You could be a Christian who backslid for the last maybe 15 or maybe 10 years or maybe even two years. Hey, thank God for the second time. Grow in the grace of God.
Moses was fitted. And God wants to fit you into his puzzle again and fit you in his will again. So grow in it, live by it. Yes, he only has to speak it once, but we mess it up. But in every way, he has that second time.